Yellow. Hey, 2020 called. They want their podcast back. Hello, 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 class of 2020. Welcome to your podcast for everything living and adulting in a post-pandemic world. I'm Sophia Rain. Another month, another movie. Shireen is back to talk with me about the Netflix film May-December. The movie is directed by Todd Haynes and stars Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman, and Charles Melton. Like Saltburn, which we covered last month, this is another weird one. What makes it even more wild is that it's based loosely on the 1997 case of Mary Kay Letourneau, who groomed Billy Falau when he was 12 and she a 32-year-old school teacher. With that said, there is conversation about sexual abuse in this episode, so please take care of yourself if that subject is particularly triggering. Also, as should be expected, there are spoilers. Now that I've done my due diligence in warning you guys, let's get into the movie of the month. All right, here we are, back at it again. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Well, it's February, and um, February is, is the month of, of love, I suppose. So we're sort of doing a weird... It's not a love story. Yeah, I wouldn't call May-December <laughs> a romance by any means. No, it re- we'll get into it. But yeah, we're talking about May-December today. And I want to tell my story of watching May-December because it was a weird one. So... I watched it at the Virginia Film Festival, which, love the Virginia Film Festival, yes, this is a plug, um, no, I'm not being sponsored, but that would be so cool if I could get sponsored by the Virginia Film Festival. (laughs) Anyway, I saw it there, and I was in the beautiful Paramount Theater in downtown Charlottesville, and I'm sitting there waiting to watch the movie, the movie starts, it's all great, and the person next to me is yawning every 20 minutes, and okay, yawning is, (laughs) yawning is fine, yawning is fine. But she yawned like this. <sighs> oh, God. <laughs> About every 20 to 30 minutes, she would yawn. And I'm like, this woman, I swear to I was losing my mind. I could not enjoy this film because in the depths of the drama, this chick would be yawning. And you would think it would just end there. You know, the film is over. I never have to see this woman again. Fast forward to this January, when I'm taking my J-term class. Mm-hmm. The professor who is teaching my class is the woman oh with God. the yawn. That's funny. <laughs> you are cackling. You are rolling <laughs> on the floor laughing right now. No. Just... <laughs> yep. And every time we would watch a film in that class, she would yawn. Oh, yeah? That's mm-hmm. crazy. Drove me insane. But anyway, <laughs> that's my experience of watching May December. So it's uh-huh. been a little it's been a little bit, so I did have to do a little bit of recapping, but I think I think I'm ready. So Okay. Shireen. Yeah. Tell me what you thought. Well, I watched it this morning. It is fresh in my mind. I did procrastinate uh, watching it. <laughs> and you know, I I don't really know what to make of it. I thought it was a tight film in terms of what it was trying to say, I guess thematically. But I don't know if it's, like, my type of film. It wasn't the most fun viewing experience. Yeah, I agree. I don't think May-December is my kind of film. It was certainly weird. Made me very uncomfortable, honestly. Did not expect this kind of... Actually, that is not true. I was about to say I didn't expect this from Natalie Portman. But actually, it it does have some Black Swan vibes. Uh Uh-huh. 
and I just thought of that now, but it, it was really, I don't know, it was, I, it was so camp melodrama. That's how I would describe this film, camp melodrama. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of the discourse about like people arguing about whether it's uh, <laughs> a melodrama or is, is it comedic? How do you describe this film? I don't know. I, was it like funny to you? I don't think it's wrong. Some of it was so absurd mm-hmm. that it was kind of comedic, but mm-hmm. I don't know. The entire time I was just kind of unnerved a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, I was definitely unnerved. I didn't find it funny. <laughs> I, I was unsettled, but like you said, there were just certain aspects of it where you had to question of like, is this supposed to be subtly funny? From like the way Gracie, Julianne Moore's character, spoke to the interpretation that Natalie Portman's character gave to just some of the events that happened in the film. Mm -hmm. You have to ask, did the director intend for this to be slightly ironic? I'm not sure either. I have not looked much into what the director himself said about the movie, although he th- there's stuff out there about like his uh-huh. personal interpretations or image uh-huh. of the of the movie. But I-, I don't know. I think maybe part of it is trying to convey both the persistent, like unnerving unease that comes with a situation like that, but mm-hmm. also the fact that they're so far past it, and by they I mean the couple, mm-hmm. that it- it's almost regular family drama to them and yeah. regular family drama is a little bit funny and so i'm not really sure what exactly to make of that maybe th- I, I don't i didn't do any research <laughs> <laughs> that's like valid <laughs> we um, can just like pretend we know things exactly exactly but yeah i didn't do any research on whether or not this show is a comedy or not it was nominated for an award in the comedy genre for real? Yeah, I don't know what award it was. I, I saw that we were discussing Golden Globes, Oscars. Uh, I think some Golden Globes one. or something. Okay. And then like people on Twitter apparently got really mad because uh-huh. they were like, "It's not funny." Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking is like maybe there are just subtle comedic aspects of it to sort of lessen the seriousness of the reality of the play or the play. Sorry, I just came from my script analysis class. <laughs> <laughs> the reality of the given circumstances of this film. Uh-huh. Do you want to explain the prem- just the premise of this film? So, yeah, that, that's a great idea. Uh, so May December is a movie loosely based on the events of a real-life case of this older teacher in her 30s who had an affair. You can't really, like, call it that. It's just statutory rape. Yeah, her name her... is Mary Kay Latorno. Yeah. Yes. Who basically sexually abused or groomed her student, who was like in middle school at the time. And they had an affair, children came out of it, she goes to prison for several years, comes out, and then they get married. Mm-hmm. And this movie is loosely based on this event, so it's not the same characters, like they don't have the same names or anything, and many details are different. But it's basically about them several years down the line the youngest of their three kids are graduating from high school and going off to college and an actress visits them because she is going to portray Gracie in the movie, her name is uh, Gracie, in a movie. And things are kind of weird because this actress is kind of a weird character herself. I think she's the most interesting character to me Mm -hmm. in the movie. Mm -hmm. At first, 
I thought she was going to be, and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just a little stupid, <laughs> but I was thinking of her almost in the same vein as I saw Oliver when we watched Oliver. She's coming in, she's trying to like observe and learn, and she might be biting off more than she can chew in terms of how sort of intense a story like this can be. But it turns out she's kind of weird and a little unhinged herself, mm-hmm. and I think that her foil against Gracie in the movie is I think one of the most interesting parts of it right, is that you have Gracie, who's the wife in the situation and the groomer in the situation, who is like a predator, like that's what yes. she what she's convicted for and what her story's about. Yeah. And then you have this actress who has kind of predatory behavior mm-hmm. throughout the movie, but obviously has a very different life than Gracie and ends up portraying her and her quest for portraying Gracie properly mm-hmm. is what she's chasing this entire movie. Yeah, I, I didn't think of that, but there definitely is some sort of predatory food chain where mm-hmm. Joe's character, the, the husband of Gracie's character, the, the kid who was groomed, in real life his name is Vili Falau. Yeah, Falau. Yeah, Falau. Joe's character is sort of like at the bottom of the food chain, right? Mm-hmm. And then Gracie's character grooms and preys on Joe. And then Elizabeth comes in, the actress character, and she's sort of predatory both towards Gracie and Joe because she's trying to, for lack of better terms, like consume Gracie's personality so mm-hmm. that she can become Gracie in this film. In the same way, by trying to be like Gracie, she ends up preying on Joe, right? Because hmm. in the film, they do Gracie, not Gracie, Elizabeth does end up sleeping with Joe. Mm-hmm. And we come to find out that it's not because she liked Joe per se, it's not because she loved Joe. Yeah. It's because she was trying to get into the head of Gracie. Right, she was trying to be Gracie in that sense, sort of tapping into that character, which I thought was really callous. I mean, analyzing that scene, it's an inciting incident for Joe's growing rebellion against his relationship with Gracie, kind of coming to understand that he has been used for his body to satisfy an older woman, and now he's being used to satisfy another woman for different reasons, but... Joe is a real victim here. And I mean, I think that perfectly encapsulates the reality of Philly's story is like he was a victim. He was groomed into believing that he loved somebody who loved him. But Gracie and by proxy Mary Kay, they didn't love Joe, I don't think. They Mm -hmm. deluded themselves into loving their respected characters, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of whether they're in love or not. I, I especially don't know what to make of it on Gracie's part. Right. I think for Joe, it's a little bit uh, better explained in the movie, right. or, or sort of like suggested in the movie, which is that he's there because he feels a responsibility to be there, right? Mm-hmm. To Gracie and to their kids. Right. Right. He, he, he knows that if something were to happen with the relationship that Gracie would not be okay. No. And he also feels this responsibility to his children, which is, I think, why he cries at their graduation. I think that he feels both a sense of, my kids are going off, and so they are free, and they've gotten to adulthood without the burdens that he dealt with at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also that he is free himself, right? He mm-hmm. probably feels a little bit of that burden lifted. At least that's what I read out of that part of the movie. With Gracie, though, I don't know. I I don't know if she loves him or not, but 
I, I don't know. I don't know if the film is necessarily like trying to question what love is. You know, like yeah. that it is just an abstract weird thing. Yeah, and you can kind of describe it in one of many ways. Yeah. Obviously, there's a predatory component to the relationship, even now, even yeah. in like the present situation, right? We know this is the confrontation scene where Joe is trying to make sense of their relationship and get answers that he deserved uh-huh. a long time ago, and he's mm-hmm. kind of shut down by Gracie, yeah. who suggests that he's kind of the predator, yeah. which is a you know classic Black grooming, gaslighting, gaslighting thing. Yeah, I-, I think that the actress though, she takes advantage the same way that Gracie does. Like, they have that in common. Yes. And I think that one of the most, like, interesting things about the movie to me was that, like, those were the most uncomfortable scenes where, like, she was taking advantage of people around her. I remember, like, the scene in the auditorium where she's visiting the high school. Yeah. And she's explaining how um, sex scenes work as an actress. And it feels so gross. Yeah. And you're like, why does this feel so gross? Like, why is she telling a bunch of kids this? You kind of pan out and you see all the kids and they're like, oh, this is awkward. Right, they didn't expect her to actually answer that question, but she's like, I will answer that question. And even the way that Natalie Portman portrays the character, she has this like weird, suggestive air to her all the time, which Mm -hmm. I think is a big part of where the unnerving, weird component of the movie comes from. She really sets the tone in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if her suggestiveness in that scene was trying, again, to be like Gracie in the sense of, I'm going to try and quote-unquote seduce these kids in a way. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah. You, you know that scene where, right before that, where like that kid touches the ceiling to try and, I don't know, look cool to yeah, like, the yeah. actress? And she like kind of gives him like a flirty smile, and you're yeah. like, what the hell is that? Right? <laughs> and she obviously doesn't think this way about this kid. Mm-hmm. She's just... In the zone. Yeah, <laughs> like she's trying to channel uh, Elizabeth. Gracie. Gracie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. Wait, is Elizabeth the name of the actress? Elizabeth is the name of the actress, yes. Okay. <laughs> you're good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's really weird because, like, she's really trying to go full method with this. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> method acting for child grooming is crazy. <laughs> for real. But I think that brings into focus this big theme, I think, that's in the film that's, like, why are we so fascinated by these deviant people? I am also a part of this kind of group. I love true crime. I love those sort of documentaries about scandals and terrible things happening to terrible people. Why are we so fixated on these things, like entertained by these train wrecked situations? Why is there a film being made about Gracie's life, like in the world of the film, if that makes sense. Like, why is there a film in this film being made about the life of a child predator? Mm-hmm. Why, why do we want to see that? And what is it about people who do these really terrible things that we're so hypnotized by? Mm-hmm. And I think Elizabeth's character kind of grapples with that throughout the film. And I think... Through her trying to get to know Gracie and trying to be Gracie, I think she sort of gets to understand why Gracie did the things that she did and why her life is the way that she lives. I think it's important to note that in the film, in the film, I don't know if this is a fact based on the actual case, mm-hmm. but in the film, Gracie's character has some sort of bipolar disorder, which is why she's so emotionally unstable, where she's like 
crying on end or why she has to meticulously make these cakes for her neighbors who don't want the cake but know that they need to keep Gracie focused on something yeah. and also Gracie's character was allegedly abused by her brothers mm -hmm. as well yeah. so when Elizabeth finds this out she feels a little bit more compassion towards Gracie not if this makes everything that you did reasonable but it's like, okay, so we know that people who do bad things often have a traumatic backstory. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just found that to be an interesting focus of the film of like, why are we so interested in these terrible things? Yeah, I think that it's the age old art is where you can explore things that you really can't explore in real life. Right. And so while <laughs> this is the one place where you can try and maybe understand, even literally act out <laughs> why a bad person might do a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So that and it's like <laughs> entertaining to watch something knowing that you yourself are not yeah. in danger of it. Right. Sort of um, that voyeuristic thing that we were kind of talking about with Saltburn, you know, the mm -hmm. audience is kind of like distanced from it, but experiencing it vicariously through the characters, which is I think a big thing in films in general, but especially yeah. in like May, December. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a really interesting thing that you brought up is that Gracie has some sort of mood swing problem, mm -hmm. right? She cries over things that are pretty trivial, and other times she's talking about how she's a pretty strong person. Mm -hmm. At the end, she describes herself as secure. Mm, and, I'll talk about that later. Yeah, and I think that her mental stability is purposefully ambiguous. Yeah. Like, at times you're like... Is, is she actually, like, as naive as she says she is? Is she as unaware? Mm -hmm. uh, or is she faking it? Or is she faking it? Because mm -hmm. she knows that it garners sympathy from her husband mm -hmm. and also from her community, which mm -hmm. is, like, she needs this. Like, she yes. has nothing if she doesn't have those people. And I think that's kind of what's suggested by the end. But yeah. if you want to talk more about that last sort of encounter between them, that, like, yeah. showdown almost, before Elizabeth leaves... I love how we're going through this. We're, like, just jumping through the film. Yeah. Um, it is, it's not a film you can go through, like, chronologically, no, though. Because there's a lot of, like, low points or points that seem almost trivial, but they build up towards the end, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. So, in the end, at the graduation of Gracie and Joe's kids, Gracie and Elizabeth have this confrontation. And I think it's interesting that they kind of look similar, too. It's, it's interesting to see Elizabeth's visual transformation throughout the film where she becomes more and more visually like mm -hmm. what's her name Gracie? Gracie I get their names mixed up and mm -hmm. I think it's kind of funny because it's kind of what right. the <laughs> movie's <laughs> doing y'all were like victims to art <laughs> victims to art honestly that would be such a great name for the series victims of art yeah wow change it change it anyway um but yeah, so they're facing down in this very passive-aggressive way, which all of their conflict is passive-aggressive. Yeah. Very, very woman. Very man. woman. Like, stereotypically woman. There's, like, a few things about the movie that are very, it's like, this is so two girls beefing. So, <laughs> so true. Oh, my gosh. And this is, like, the biggest the female showdown, where it's just all passive-aggression, subtext. And basically, at the end of their sort of confrontation because at this point Gracie's like I don't really like that you're doing this film anymore and I think it's because it's exposing the wrongness of what her relationship is with Joe and then she pulls out this line where she's like insecure people are very dangerous or something like that I'm paraphrasing here and then Gracie's like 
I'm a very secure person. And when you hear that line, you think about the entirety of the film where she is very much insecure. <laughs> yeah. And how she projects her insecurity onto other people to make it feel like that she's secure by making other people insecure, if that makes sense. From the way she treats her daughter, making comments about her body, about yeah. the dresses that she picks for her graduation, to how she treats Joe still like a child, mind you, and also gaslighting him into being like, you were the one who groomed me or seduced me. It wasn't the other way around sort of thing. So mm -hmm. she projects her insecurity onto other people and makes it seem like she's ignorant to the fact that what she has done is wrong. But through her interactions with Elizabeth, I think the wrongness of the situation is, is being forced into Gracie's face, which is making her reckon with it. And by the end, when Gracie and Elizabeth are about to part ways, Gracie makes this one last push to assert her dominance in the situation, assert her security, by faking her security, by saying that she is secure. Uh -huh. I know that's very like convoluted. Mm -hmm. And I think it's in that line where we get, I don't think she's as ignorant as she claims to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think her presenting naivete helps her. Yeah. It absolves her of some of the very obvious power dynamics. Like, in... I didn't know I was doing something wrong. Exactly, yeah. I don't know how true it was but that is also like the words from the real life case yeah yeah um, the mary Kay was like no i, I didn't, didn't even know i didn't know it was illegal to I like children <laughs> exactly when she was a literal teacher and teachers literally get training and yeah like, grooming that's actually crazy right <laughs> exactly. she's like i didn't know this was wrong i didn't i didn't do this in my what to look out for if children are being abused no yeah and i think that same persona is yeah she's using it against elizabeth as well yeah and it leaves Elizabeth with this sense of uncertainty, right? She's, like, shaken after Gracie leaves because she's being gaslit. <laughs> Just, like, Gracie gaslights other people. Yeah. And she's experiencing that for herself. And I think in terms of her goal, mm -hmm. she loses any ground that she had in sort of figuring Gracie out, right? Right. Like, what is the truth about Gracie? Right. Uh, I don't know if she was abused as a child. I don't know the reality behind her emotions throughout this, like her emotional stability, her relationship with Joe. If her son's telling her things, who else is telling her things? Mm -hmm. You know, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And I think that from her perspective as the actress, it leaves her super shaken. And I think that maybe Gracie knows that. She knows yeah. how to like push people's buttons, right? Yeah. She knows that a teenage girl is not going to like a comment about her body and makes that comment. She knows that an actress who's here for one express purpose is not going to like a comment that's going to shake her entire mission. Right. And Gracie's really smart. She really knows how to do that with everybody. Mm-hmm. She's... She's kind of a master manipulator. No, she know? like is really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like she got arrested for something like that. Yeah. No, it's ugh, it's it's very disconcerting, I think. Especially cuz she's almost childlike too in this film. Especially with uh -huh. like the way that she speaks and the way that she has to seek validation from people around her. It's very infantile and and it's what I'm getting at here is that Joe almost has to take care of her uh -huh. when he is the child, uh -huh. right? Yeah. But in the same sense, she manipulates Joe into thinking that he cannot be happy without her. Yeah. So it's, it's a really, like, catch-22 mm -hmm. in that relationship. 
And going back to the graduation scene where Joe is crying, which also, might I just say, beautifully performed. But yeah, I, I thought, agree. That was really good. I thought he was mm-hmm. when I had one of the better performances in this film. No, yeah. no, it was really good. And I really liked that scene in particular. That, that scene was really good, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I also think that he was crying because I think he realized he never had a childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did not get what his kids are experiencing. Yeah. He had to grow up so, so fast. Yeah. And it's weird to see a child have to take care of an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that dynamic is really important for uh, Gracie and Joe. Mm-hmm. Gracie plays into being the the person who needs taken care of mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't exaggerate their dynamic as much. And, and, and even if she pretends that she's secure, she is insecure about the nature of their relationship. Yeah. And so she needs to constantly reaffirm that he's he's like my equal he takes care of me even mm-hmm. though like i'm older than him yeah and so they both have these like childish and mature components mm-hmm. but also like getting at joe who is in, in many ways the dynamic character in this movie the one who's going to learn and grow and the one that you kind of like care about yeah. more than anyone else yeah he was first of all like the acting was really great yeah. i don't know the actor's name he was Ooh. in riverdale he was in riverdale which is really funny and he's really cute yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he uh, does really good acting in this, which was surprising because all I knew him from was Riverdale, mm-hmm. which is not known for really good acting. Mm-hmm. And I-, I thought his representation, like all the different components about his life that we learn about were so telling about mm-hmm. what kind of person he is, right? Not only from like the fact that he's a father mm-hmm. and we see his interactions with his kids, but also like he takes care of butterflies and yes. he's kind of secretly like... He's having a few different levels of affair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he never had time to mature in that sense. So he's, I think throughout the film, you get these glimpses of he's still a child. Mm-hmm. He may be in his 30s at this point, or I don't know how old he is, but he, yeah. I think he's like in his 30s. But throughout the film, you see him engage in a lot of stereotypically teenagery activities. Mm-hmm. He smokes weed with his son. He takes care of butterflies as if it was some sort of little hobby He's science got, project. like, online friends. He has, <laughs> onla- he has online friends. And he still feels under the boot of people older than him, mm-hmm. right? So he very much has a lot of experiences with his kids that helps him sort of relive or experience what it might have been like to have some yeah. sort of childhood. And I think his character arc is metaphorically depicted through butterflies, mm-hmm. right? They start out little cocoons, and or they start as little eggs and caterpillars, and then they kind of like get all cooped up in the cocoon, but then they become beautiful butterflies, and they kind of like grow up. And we see Joe do this at least a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. At first, he's very in this world that Gracie and Joe both have built, of being sort of deluded into love, right? Mm -hmm. Elizabeth comes along and kind of breaks him out of that cocoon, uh, the cocoon of delusion, I guess. And he starts to realize like, hey, this this isn't right. I do need to have a life of my own. I need to have experiences. And at least he tries to confront that with Gracie. Uh Alternatively, Gracie is sort of the snake, right? Yeah. Which is another theme of the, or motif in this film, you yeah. know? Especially, like, at the end when Natalie Portman's character, while it's playing Gracie, is just holding <laughs> a snake for literally no reason. But 
for art's sake, I suppose. Yeah. It's a camp movie within a camp movie, period. Period. But yeah, and the snake is the predator. Snakes will eat butterflies, you know? So we see a lot of this imagery that's kind of like woven into the film that encapsulates the arcs of these characters, which Mm -hmm. I think is really interesting. Yeah, I had trouble with the butterfly theme, and I didn't really know whether to take it as a representation of Joe himself or to sort of illustrate his nurturing personality. I think it can do both, right? Yeah, I think it is a little bit of both, especially because the butterflies, while we see Joe's growth throughout the movie, we more obviously see the fact that graduation is coming up. Yes. And the butterflies finally, what is the word? There's a word for it when they like leave their cocoon. Um, break free. When they break free <laughs> of their cocoons. That happens on graduation morning. Yeah. And I think that that is supposed to really lay out Joe's priorities here, mm-hmm. right? This is also evident in, I think, the conversation that he has with Elizabeth after their little affair. Well, fine. Where he's sort of telling her, like, it's not as simple as me living life for myself. It's not as simple as what, whatever she's telling him to, like, leave or to, like, yeah. only care about himself. And he's like, I can't, <laughs> you don't get her. Like, I have, like, kids <laughs> and stuff, and I'm, like, Gracie. Mm-hmm. And it really shows it's not his own release that he's concerned about. Yeah. It's the release of others. Yeah. Like, it's the release of those butterflies, and it's also the release of his children. There sort of seems to be, at least within his character, this tension that is let go in that crying scene at the graduation. Yeah. Where yeah. He, he finally feels like his kids are free, and I think he really cares about them, and that's a really yeah. important motivator Absolutely. for him. And. He also feels that way, I think, a little bit towards Gracie, which is why he, like, doesn't want to leave her, even though, you know, he, he's uncertain about their love and about their circumstances. Yeah, but he feels a responsibility at this point. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a very profound characteristic to give his character, because it is the opposite of, like, him being naive and young, yeah. right? Like, in some ways, when you see his character do things, he is kind of awkward and he acts kind of like a teenager mm-hmm. and does kind of childish things. Yeah. But he has this, as described in the movie, almost quiet confidence. Yes. And, I don't know, I think it brings a lot of dignity to his character, like, makes him not just a victim of his circumstances, but also, like, someone trying to do something about them. Right. Making the best of a bad situation. Yeah, and someone who, like, has, like, values that they're trying to adhere to, even though they're... You know, in a situation like this, like, people would empathize with him if he had made, like, different decisions. Yeah. And yet he still feels compelled morally to stay. Yeah. And that is one deviation that this story takes from the real story. In the real story, Billy ends up separating from Mary Kay, or at least, like, distancing himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they go through a separation, mm-hmm. although I think it's, yeah, it is a lot later. And then she mm-hmm. dies, I think, shortly after Yeah, that. she gets, like, cancer or something, and she passes away. But in both situations, both Billy and Joe care for the children that they have. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see that there's more love than bitterness. Um, no, not just that. It's like the fact that their kids are so normal. They're just like teenagers. And they're fine with their parents. They are. And I think that in the ways that they're not fine are the ways that anyone's just not fine with like when their parent has right. a bad thing about them. Yeah. Right. Like, lots of people have imperfect parents. Mm-hmm. Most people's parents are not sex offenders or, like, criminals. Mm-hmm. But 
you feel both like a sense of love and a little bit like I wish you were a little bit different, you know, yeah, yeah, for yeah, them. Yeah. And I think that's very well portrayed by their children. Yeah. Where they're like, I don't really want to talk about my parents. I really don't want to talk about their situation. But like, yeah, but they're like my mom and dad. They're just normal kids. Yeah. And I think kids. when I think about it more, it just makes me like really sad because given that they are so normal and that Joe is the victim with, with their affair, it's just like Gracie really like messed multiple lives up yeah. with everything that happened. Yeah, and she claims ignorance to that. Mm-hmm. She's like, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm just a mother and just doing the best that I can, right? Mm-hmm. And what's also interesting, and I don't know why, but this like completely left my brain, but it's just come up to me now. She has a whole nother family yeah. in this film. With kids and stuff. Yeah, with, like, kids and, like, a dad that's, like, still there. And it's really interesting, like, the, the, the confrontation scene between the two families. Yeah. Where it's, like, literally a complete other family. You got everybody there. <laughs> and she's just, like, it, it's not just, like, everyone in that family is estranged. Uh-huh. They're all a cohesive unit without her. Yes. Yeah. And I think that plays into part of her insecurity. Mm-hmm. Right? seeing this other family doing just fine without her mm-hmm. maybe gives her this subtle reminder that if she wasn't around, she isn't really needed. Mm-hmm. And that's also seen in sort of like her obligation to make these cakes, right? She needs to be needed, right? Yeah. Which I think dives into her, her psychology a little bit more, which is, is interesting. I also forgot about this moment, but the pet shop scene. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first time I realized, like, oh, she's messed up in the head, too. Right, right. Like, (laughs) Like when she acts out the scene, and then she, like, giggles a little bit at the end. I was like, oh, you're so weird. You're so weird, (laughs) and not in a cute, quirky way. No, you're strange and off-putting. Yeah, this is like Jared Leto being in a hotel room sending dead animals to (laughs) co-stars. Yeah, this is, like, almost as bad as that. Yeah, no, it's weird, because... It's like, what are the lengths that we'll go to to achieve our goals, you yeah. know? She really she really goes for them. Mm-hmm. She goes for those objectives. No, yeah, I think it, like, just further adds to the fact that, like, she's here for that purpose. I thought, you know, maybe, like, her character sort of gets pulled into it and mm-hmm. feels a lot more empathy mm-hmm. and becomes sort of emotionally involved. Mm-hmm. And no, like, she's not emotionally invo- involved. Mm-hmm. In fact, like, she's really well removed from it. Yeah. And, and she's able to do a lot without being emotionally involved at all. Hence which, the Joe sleeping with Joe scene. Yeah. Exactly. This is what adults do. Yeah, this is just like normal. I've done this many times. (laughs) And I think maybe that's also supposed to correlate with Gracie. Yeah. Where like, even as emotionally invested as she seems, going back to the whole, we we don't really understand her mental stability as well as we thought we did earlier in the movie. She like, also can remove herself, right? In order to reach her ends. Mm -hmm. And she's sort of willing to do it by whatever means. Yeah. They're out for number one, you know? Yeah, they are out for number one. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting because a lot of films or even just any sort of media representation, it's often the man grooming the woman. Yeah. But this is the woman grooming the man, which I think is, re- is a really interesting perspective. It's, it's not something that you see a lot in films, but it does happen. Yeah. You know? So I just think that's... An yeah. Interesting note. I think that from I don't know much about the the real life case. Yeah. But the the reason why it was so big and it was like picked up by like tabloids and turned into like a huge thing mm-hmm. was like because people were like 
you know, it's like a younger guy. People right. like kind of didn't see it as the as the same problem. like abusive, yeah. dangerous situation mm-hmm. that it is when like it's an older man who like grooms a younger girl. Because it's like boys will be boys, you know. They no, can... like he got some good for him. <laughs> he got some. No, I think that allowed it to be people were like were felt more comfortable having that conversation over the dinner table like was this right or wrong are they in love or not because that's sort of i think also how it was portrayed in media was like oh they're just like star-crossed lovers right like the woman can't be manipulative she yeah. can't have these nefarious yeah desires right yeah and in this movie we get not one but two nefarious manipulative women which is like kind of real so real <laughs> women are snakes <laughs> truly Truly, they're snakes. But there's a lot with the lawyer and the younger brother, which I thought was Mm -hmm. interesting sometimes. Oh, you mean that scene where they're, like, at the restaurant? Yeah, and I mean, like, individually, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't really know what to make of, especially her older son, Georgie? I think. Oh, that's right. It's her son, not her brother. My bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Her older son, Georgie, who's kind of described as not doing so hot in life, kind of a disappointing child. He's kind of a a douche, too. He's also a douche. And I really don't know what to make of him. Was he lying about the abuse thing? Or like, was Gracie just covering that up? I don't really know what to make of that. Exactly. It just plays into this ambiguity of who the heck is this woman? Yeah. Why did she do the things that she did? Yeah. Is that Georgie's way of justifying what his mother did so that he can feel better about it? Like, oh, there's a reason why she did this and it's not just her being mentally unwell. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like you also, by proxy, are like unsure of like Georgie's mental stability and like what's up with him. And I mean, I think for the rest of the point that doing something like that, like abusing a child, having an affair outside of your marriage and with a child is like going to affect so many lives so many repercussions yeah and like georgie is a direct victim of that i think yeah. in the movie his character was like the same year as joe yeah they they knew each other yeah they, they did know each other yeah like they or like at least the couple tries to play it off as like oh yeah. they were just classmates they weren't like really good friends yeah but it's actually really kind of crazy actually that like georgie's character is supposed to be like 30 something then Mm. And while Joe is like a father with like a family, Georgie is just kind of overgrown. <laughs> yeah, he's just like a troublesome teen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but they're supposed to be the same age. Yeah. That's a little strange. Yeah. I don't really know what to make of their of whether he lies or not. I think the lawyer, what's interesting about his character is that on one end he he sort of sees some of what Gracie is, right? He's like, yeah, we like, you know, just try to make her feel better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if we are sort of going with this analysis that Gracie might know more than she lets on, or mm-hmm. she's not as naive as she pretends to be, mm-hmm. then he's also kind of falling for it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, thinking that, like, she needs more support than she really does. But he has to play into that mm-hmm. as her lawyer. Yeah. Right? So he has to believe Gracie in mm-hmm. order to quote-unquote protect her as a, as a lawyer yeah so maybe he's willingly believing in Gracie's story and doesn't dive in deeper because if he did then his whole case would be broken and he would have nothing to defend yeah I guess he might have those ulterior motives too as like the lawyer in this situation mm-hmm. something that I guess isn't that present in the movie is the legality of like what? Elizabeth following around this family and like trying to get to the bottom of a pretty serious crime that happened well well 
Gracie and Joe gave their consent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, yeah. For Elizabeth to be there. Yeah. Joe giving that letter though, that's crazy. So crazy. That's what she's quoting at the end during that little monologue, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting how in that last scene it was repeated so many times. Like she was doing takes and takes and takes. And I think that shows how shaken she was by that last mm-hmm. confrontation with Gracie. I think I mixed their names up, but it's okay. <laughs> no valid. <laughs> right? She's just so method. <laughs> she doesn't know how to play Gracie. Mm-hmm. Gracie is an unplayable character. And in a way, that's a good thing. You don't want to be Gracie. Yeah. Right? No one should want to be Gracie. But for the sake of her job, she has to be Gracie. Yeah. And she doesn't know how to do that after that last confrontation, which is why they play it over and over again in that repetition. And you start, I think you start to feel like how ridiculous, how crazy is this entire story Mm -hmm. as it repeats again and again. You're like, what the heck did I just watch? Yeah. I, I think like the ending... Yeah, it's Elizabeth not really knowing how to play this character, mm-hmm. which on one hand, like, yeah, that's a good thing. Like, you shouldn't be actually attracted to, like, the child actor next to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was good that she was uncomfortable by having to, like, choose. Yeah. I can't imagine being in that position. Oh, my God. I think it goes back to this thing that Elizabeth mentioned several times throughout the movie, which is that her whole thing is to find the truth. Mm-hmm. That's what she's here for is like, we hope the movie says something mm-hmm. and we hope that there's some truth in it. I mm-hmm. think she says something like that yeah. during several points in the movie. And I think that that's what she's like struggling with is like a media representation of a very serious situation like this mm-hmm. is just never going to be accurate. Like it just right. can't, you can't really have all the truth. No. Yeah. Uh, and I actually think given that May, December is a movie <laughs> itself mm-hmm. and it is not a direct retelling of the crime that took place, but rather does it from like a, like a slightly distanced mm-hmm. perspective by like, you know, you have this like actress who's there to portray the character. I think the movie sort of recognizes its own inability to fully understand the gravity of the situation. Mm. You know, mm. it doesn't want to make that the big theme. It's like we're trying to dissect child right. predators. Right. Instead, it's trying to really understand these dynamics outside of the very convoluted mess that took place. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Thank you. That was great. I loved that. Thank you. All right. So I guess last things last. What's your rating? We'll do Letterboxd. We'll we'll do the whole... The stars? The stars. The stars stars. out of five. Okay, I think I'll give it a two and a half or three. Interesting. I think maybe a three. I liked it better than Saltburn, although I'll admit my Letterboxd is a little bit skewed towards the positive. Like, my, like, average is, like, a three and a half Uh or, like, three. So I think I will give it a three. Like, it was good. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, like, my favorite film Mm -hmm. in the world. I thought it was, like, technically very well done. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, it wasn't really something that I was emotionally invested in but i could appreciate it for what it was fair fair i'll give it a two and a half two and a half i'll give it a two and a half i on the opposite end i liked saltburn more than may december oh yeah um i think one thing that took me out of may december too was the score (laughs) (laughs) the musical sting that would just come up like every so often just punctuating it as a campy <laughs> melodrama i was like yeah come on please it was very telenovela <laughs> no 100 and i think that was completely intentional yeah yeah which i think that's also why you have to sort of see it it's kind of like silly a comedic yeah in a comedic light but yeah i'll give it a, i'll give it a two and a half 
I don't think it's a film that I'm gonna rewatch, but I, when I found out that it was based on a real true crime story, I was like, that's when my ears perked up. I was like, oh, now I have to listen to the, all the true crime podcasts about yeah. it. But, but yeah, thanks uh, for talking to me again. Yay! Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'll be back next month. Just like a period. <laughs> Yo! We should sync podcast releases with our periods. <laughs> and on that note, let's do some outro music. Outro music! And that's a wrap on the movie of the month, May, December. Thank you, Shireen. You're a legend as always. Please follow and rate the Class of 2020 podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or wherever you listen to good stuff. Let me know what you think of the show, or share your story of coming into the adult world by DMing the podcast at Class of 2020 Pod on Instagram, or emailing Class of 20 Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm sending you all the good vibes, so go live life lavish. Bye.